Yo, this is Steve Bloom, the voice of Zeb in Star Wars Rebels. And you are listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. So, have you finally gotten an insert card? I did finally get an insert card. What was it? Yesterday was my first insert card that I ever got in an actual, like, just regular pack. Uh-huh. And I got the Kit Fisto. Um, what is that, Fan's Choice? Uh, so you got a card that's got 20,000. Yeah. It's like the easiest It's the easiest insert to get. Hey, you got to start somewhere, okay? I was tempted today because there was like... The Geonosis card. Geonosis insert, and then there vintage. was vintage, and I saw them, and you had told me, you know, you got to look at the odds, and I looked at the odds for the vintage, and it was like 1 in 80, and I was like, ah, that seems really, that yeah. seems really high, and I'm not really collecting the vintage anyways, and but then the Geonosis ones, I don't know. I still didn't, I couldn't figure out the odds on those. Well, well, Elite Soldiers came out today, too. But I don't think you're getting Elite Soldiers, are you? See, at this point, I feel like I should just be getting any insert I can possibly get just so I can have it for trading purposes. That would make sense. So, But the Elite Soldiers odds were... Um, I'm trying to find them. But they were... For the green one, it was 1 in 35. So that's actually not too bad. You probably could have snagged one. Okay, I have a question. Um, sure. About how this works. Because I know you're the top's trading card app expert you mean obsessed with yeah digital trading cards like they're crack yeah sure go ahead so when they announce like an insert is in packs like is there a time limit to that like how long are they in the packs can i do i have to buy them like you know they're in the the pack until it no they're in the pack until it sells out so okay if you see the pack still available like the next day it hasn't sold out yet Got it. The card hasn't sold out. Now, is there any, like, advantage to starting to open the packs, like, right away? Or does it matter if I wait until, like, close to the end of it selling out? Like, does it change my odds at all? No, but you don't know when it's going to sell out. I mean, yeah. you can, you can check the cards. Like, if you go to all cards and you can flip it, you know, like, over and over to see how many have been handed out. Uh. So, if you know 4,000 are getting handed out and it's currently at... Um, 3,800, then you know that it's almost sold out, you know? Okay. So that's how I kind of, I look at it like that sometimes. But today I got the green elite soldier and I needed him to finish the elite soldier set. So I have all those, so I'll get the award card. And then Geonosis, um, I went because, you know, I got like three whites and a yellow last time. And so this time I got two whites and a red for a geonosis so impressive woo-hoo! i am on a street so so our, <laughs> our listeners right now are like did i tune into the wrong podcast this is the <laughs> tops digital star wars card trader podcast <laughs> but we're actually here to record an episode of bookworms right that's right even though cards are fun star wars cards bookworms. are fun <laughs> So if you haven't gotten the Star Wars Card Trader app, you totally should. And you should trade with me and Aaron. I'm Ice Cold Penguin. I'm A. Goins, A-G-O-I-N-S. So find us on there. Trade us good cards. We'll help you complete sets. Or if you don't really care that much, just get good cards and then just trade them to us for free. For me. Give them to me. Just give them as gifts. 
<laughs> give we him take, his gifts. We take we inserts as gifts. We accept digital trading cards as gifts. We also accept yellows and golds. <laughs> okay. And award green cards. We need to reel this in. Um, <laughs> so, Star Wars Bookworms, episode 39, which is kind of cool because the timing of episode 39, depending on how we do our celebration coverage, our actual like live panel could be our 40th episode. It's like our 40th anniversary. Wait, no, that's wrong. Well... I don't think we'll be podcasting that long, but... 40th episode. Yes. So it's a nice round number. 40 episodes. We'll do a live show as our 40th episode. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, me too. All right, so the book club. I'll let you talk about this because you're doing this right now. All right, so we... we, Yeah, we mentioned um, Celebration, so we will be talking a lot about Celebration on this episode, and we are going to get to our Tarkin review that we keep promising every episode, and we... We, we keep pushing it off, but we are going to get to that this episode. Um, but before we get to that, quick housekeeping. Book Club is still going on for the month of April. Actually, it's our March book club, which was Heir to the Jedi. Um, and what we've decided, because Celebration's going on, we know everybody's really busy, and I know we're busy, um, busy, busy. not having time to read another book for, for April, we're going to just let the Heir to the Jedi discussion keep flowing right through April, and then we will pick up our next book, uh, Lords of the Sith, which is coming out April 28th, um, will be the next book that we officially do in the book club. But Heir of the Jedi, we're getting a lot of great discussion going on over there. Um, I've actually read probably about half of it, and um, and I know it's getting some mixed reviews. I'm actually kind of enjoying it. Um, but yeah, so just keep on discussing it over there at Goodreads, um, and then we will be covering Lords of the Sith as soon as that comes out. So, do you want to dive into Star Wars Celebration right now? Yeah, Star Wars Celebration. We get first. Let's talk about our actual show that we're doing live at Star Wars Celebration. Uh, let's give some more info because I know since the last time we recorded, I know you missed our last episode, um, and that so it's been a while since we've together talked about what's going on at that panel, and a lot of stuff has changed. You know, we've gotten some announcements. I guess we could say today. Yes, we have. So. We will be on the podcast stage on Friday of Star Wars Celebration. That's Friday, April 17th at 4.30 p.m., so 4.30 to 5.30. You want to arrive on time. And why is that, Aaron? You want to arrive on time because we have exclusive pins that we've teased on Twitter and Facebook. Not really teased. We just not showed really. what they you look like. Did, it's not a yeah. tease. You took a picture of the whole thing. <laughs> I kind of wanted to do like a tease. I was thinking, oh, it'd be kind of cool if we just take a picture of like a part of it or whatever. I was like, nah, let's just put the whole thing out there. But yeah, so we had Zach Gialongo, uh, official Star Wars artist, writer. He did the uh, awesome Ewoks comics uh, that we talked about. We've had him on our show. We've interviewed him here. Um, he did some exclusive art for us and actually did the design of the entire pin and we got that pin made so we're going to be giving out to the first 40 people that come through the door at our panel we're going to be handing those out Um, and they're limited to that number so if you if you're one of the first 40 you're going to be the only ones that have them so um, people may be wondering why 40 well that's because it's episode 40 look at that oh look at yeah we accidentally did that Yeah, 40 will be given out to the first 40 people. Also, um, if you bought a shirt, then please wear it so we can have all colors of Star Wars Bookworm shirts at the panel. And even if that means you just wear it for the panel and then you take it off. 
Um, but if you want to order a shirt, it won't get to you in time for celebration if you're going. But they are on Zazzle and they are now on Tee Public. Um, so you can go to tpublic.com and I think you can just search for Star Wars bookworms and it'll come up. Yeah. Um, and you should like, if you really, really want one before celebration, you could get it. You're just going to pay a lot for shipping. Um, like a lot. Yeah. So like more than the shirt. <laughs> yeah. So just be aware of that, um, you can still get a shirt if you really, really want to, but if you did grab one, that'd be awesome if you showed up to the panel in it. And if you do have, if you're wearing a shirt, it'd be cool to like get everybody that, is wearing the shirt. I know all of us on the panel are going to be wearing it. Um, and then anyone else that decides to show up wearing the shirt, it'd be kind of cool to get like a group picture or something at the end as well. So definitely come up and talk to us. We'd love to meet you. Yep. We'll do a bookworm flail. Does that exist? No, nope. I don't know. It doesn't. Okay. It doesn't. It's not going to start. <laughs> apparently. <a> um, <laughs> okay. Also for our panel, and this is something that we just got confirmed and I'm very excited about it because he is my favorite Star Wars author. Um, Drew Carpishan will be joining us, um, but he will only be there at the, during the first 15-ish minutes of our panel because he does have a very busy schedule. So if you want to see Drew, you're going to have to get there again on time. Um, he's going to be doing a short Q&A with us, and then we may open the floor up to audience questions um, and have a, him answer a couple of those. But we will be doing giveaways for two of his books, a copy of Revan and a copy of Children of Fire, and he will sign those for you right there in front of you at the panel. So also on the panel, we're going to have some of our friends are going to be with us there. Uh, Mark Newbold from uh, Radio 1138, from Star Wars Insider, StarWars.com, Jedi News. He does a ton of stuff. Uh, he's going to be one of the people that is going to be on the panel with us, also with Jedi Schwa from Techno Retro Dads. And what we're going to be doing, the four of us are going to kind of be doing a roundtable of talking about some of our favorite um, books, comics, reference guides, you know, you name it. Just anything that's been uh, printed from Star Wars, we're going to be kind of listing off some of our favorite stuff and discussing it. Yep, and then at the very end of the show, um, Eric Schoenweiss from Del Rey will be joining us probably to talk about Lords of the Sith and Dark Disciple, but he's also going to help us give away six copies of Lords of the Sith. That means that you guys coming to the show will be able to get a copy of Lords of the Sith before it is actually available to buy. The one thing that kind of stinks, though, is our panel is on Friday and Del Rey's big panel is on Saturday. Oh, so. Yeah. They won't have announced. You know, we're kind of expecting there's probably going to be some announcements of new books that you know haven't been announced yet. Um, so unfortunately, we won't be able to really discuss those things because we won't know about them on Friday, unless we can kind of, you know, since we have Arish there, maybe we can bribe him to slip out a little bit of information. But we'll see. We'll see what we can get out of him. You know what else stinks? What? We can't even go to the Delray panel. I know, and that's the, yeah, I, I'm sure we'll talk about it when we get to the scheduling, you know, there's a lot of overlap of things, and it actually works out that we can't go to either the Delray panel or the Marvel panel because of our schedules, um, which are two, obviously, panels that we would, as bookworms, want to go attend. To. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that it does stink, but yeah, we will, we will be looking at the schedule a little bit more detail in, in a few minutes. Right. So if you haven't signed up on Facebook, you can go to our Facebook page, Star Wars Bookworms, and then over on the like left-hand side is an event for the Star Wars Celebration podcast panel 
event thingy. Um, and you can go there and click that you're going to be coming because we want to see if you're coming. And just so we know, so we can meet you face to face. If you can, go over there and do that. If not, don't worry about it. But we will see you at Star Wars Celebration. And we are super excited. So speaking of schedules, today on StarWars.com, they released some of the cool things that are actually going on with um, Star Wars and Delray and all that cool stuff um, at Star Wars Celebration. And one of the coolest things that stuck out to me, Aaron, is the audiobook, the Penguin Random House audiobook people are going to have a, like, sound booth that you can go into and you can record an excerpt of, like, your own audiobook and then they're going to send you the audio file and, oh, I want to do that. We have to do that. So is that going to be with, like, sound effects and stuff too? I don't know, but please. (laughs) Hey, I think it sounds like fun. Okay, cool. So we can If we get, like, a really cool recording, we could even play, like, a portion of it as, like, a bonus on, on our next episode of Bookworms. That works for me. It's going to sound cool. I'm going to practice my radio reading book voice. <laughs> yeah, so they, they actually released kind of the whole signing schedule for all the different authors that are going to be there. So they're going to have John Jackson Miller, uh, James Lucino, and uh, Christy Golden. And I I think, is Drew Karpishan signing too? He is signing too. Okay. Um, Drew is signing Revan and um, his other book, Children of Fire, um, his own fantasy series. And he has a couple of signings. Drew is signing Friday and from 10 to 11 at the Del Rey booth. And then on Saturday, he is signing again from 1 to 2 at the Del Rey booth. But the authors are signing in two different places. So there were, the ones that are happening at the Del Rey booth will actually have free books or free posters. So... Alan Dean Foster, who did Splinter of the Mind's Eye, he's also signing, and you'll get a free book with that. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, so if I just you read catch, that book. If you just catch, if you catch James Lucino or John Jackson Miller uh, or Christy Golden at the Del Rey booth, there will be free books. Um, I think for Christy Golden, it's either going to be a um, free poster of Star Wars Dark Disciple, or it is going to be Star Wars Fate of the Jedi Omen. Um, will be the free book. But the other place they're signing is at Mysterious Galaxy, which is going to be... Um, it's the Celebration Bookstore um, is being run by a company called Mysterious Galaxy. So if they're not signing at the Delray booth, they are signing at the Celebration Bookstore. So okay. that's what it is. Um, and they said that for the signings, lines will start forming probably about 10 to 15 minutes prior to the signing times. Um, also at the Delray booth, there are some awesome pins. They're going to be handing out pins for the Marvel people. Um, they've got a Star Wars, Darth Vader, and Princess Leia um, promotional pins. So kind of like the artwork from the cover of the um, first issue. And then um, they're going to have free previews of Star Wars Darth Vader, Princess Leia, and Kanan, The Last Padawan. And then there's mini posters of all of that stuff as well. Um, and then of the actual things that you can get swag-wise from the Del Rey booth, there's a double-sided poster, which looks really cool, by the way. It's got Dark Disciple cover art and then, like, the new timeline kind of thing on the back. And then there's collectible pins. So if you want to get the collectible pin, they have a different one each day. Um... Thursday is A New Dawn, Friday is Tarkin, Saturday is Heir of the Jedi, and Sunday is Lords of the Sith. 
And then if you pre-order Dark Disciple and Aftermath, you can get the pin that goes with those. Nice. So there's an Aftermath pin? There's an Aftermath pin cool. and a Dark Disciple pin as well, but you have to pre-order the books to get those. And again, there will be free books during signings and other things, other giveaways happening at the booth during the entire convention. Um, Saturday, April 18th is actually Aaron Alston Tribute Day because um, that's the day that they're having the Aaron Alston kind of memorial panel. So if you want to help celebrate that, you can wear your Aloha kind of Hawaii shirt. And if you go to the booth, they're going to be giving away free copies of Mercy Kill. Oh, wow. Yeah. So so the Delray booth is the place to be if you want to get Basically. awesome freebies, free books, free posters, free pins, and then book signings. So, yeah, I think that we will be around there a lot. I would think we would be. Cool. <laughs> considering we have a lot of friends over there so as far as celebration goes um we've been filling in our schedules trying to figure out what we want to see and what we're actually going to be able to see because that's the trick right what are you actually going to be able right. to go to and um so i've figured out a word that's perfect for star wars celebration you want to know what it is what is that the word is conflict <laughs> with a hash between con and flicked, even though it's one word. Get it? Con, flicked. So I get it. Con. That's good. Okay. Yeah, see? Look at me. <laughs> so, um, obviously, Thursday, we want to do the J.J. Abrams panel. Thursday, that is the must-see panel. Now, the thing is, you know, there was all this talk, and I know I've talked about it in previous episodes, about, you know, waiting in line overnight to see J.J. Abrams. But it kind of seems like that might not be necessary now because there's going to be a lot of overflow you know they're going to have pretty much every stage um, is going to have overflow seating to view the panel um, so you might not get in the main room if you don't you know kind of line up early but you most likely will get into one of the rooms and um, you know see whatever they present hopefully a trailer that's what I'm crossing my fingers for um, so I'm starting to back off of that whole, like, hey, I'm going to sleep on the sidewalk kind of thing because, you know, it sounds nice to actually get a full night's sleep and still see the stuff uh, from a remote stage. Yeah, and we still don't know what the actual setup is going to be with giving out wristbands and stuff. I have heard that they don't want the line deal, kind of like the San Diego Comic-Con lines, so we'll just have to see. They still haven't announced any of that, but right. we shall see. But that is definitely the, it's the very first panel of the convention, and I think it's the one that most people are probably uh, the most excited for. Right. We do have other things we definitely want to go to. Um, there's, you know, some podcast panels. We want to go and support our friends, Coffee with Kenobi, um, Rebels Report, and Radio 1138. And there's some other things that we've looked at going to, but um, the... One of the things on Thursday is if you go over to the Hilton Convention Center Hotel at 6.30 p.m. in just the Hilton lobby, um, there is going to be a podcast listener meetup, and we will be there. Um, it's from like 6.30 to 8, so you can come and see us and kind of hang out and stuff with all your favorite podcasts because most of them are going to be there. Um, and that's on Thursday from 6.30 p.m. to 8. So other stuff that kind of sticks out on Thursday, that's the day that Ian McDermott's doing his panel. So I don't think we're going to be able to catch that one, but that is happening. Um, and then there's also a panel that actually overlaps with the Ian McDermott panel that um, has Dave Filoni and Pablo Hidalgo uh, talking about 
what it's titled Untold Clone Wars um, on the behind the scenes behind the scenes stage. So uh, if you're a Clone Wars fan, um, that might be a panel that you want to hit as well. Yes. So on Friday, um, there's a lot of cool stuff going on on Friday, including our panel. But the um, one of the cool ones that I was hoping we could go to, but we probably if we go to it, we have to bug out early. Is the one big story Star Wars canon? Um, so it's going to have pretty much everybody that's a part of the story team and from Del Rey and Marvel and everything talking about how the new canon is working. And I think that's really cool. So hopefully we can go to a little bit of that. Also, Jeffrey Brown, who does the like Darth Vader and Son um, and the new Darth Vader and Friends book that is coming out, um, which we will be reviewing. Um, we will be interviewing Jeffrey Brown also right after uh, Star Wars Celebration. He has a panel on Friday at 12.30 called Bridging Generations with Jeffrey Brown. So, And that's on the Star Wars University stage. So I'm pretty sure we're going to try and hit that um, if we can. But we are also doing some interviews with some of your favorite authors. So be looking for those um, once Celebration is over. And another thing going on on uh, Friday is the audiobook panel. Um, bringing Star Wars novels to life on audio. Um, so that would be another interesting one to attend. But that one actually is going on at the same time as the screening of the Star Wars Episode Three premiere in 3D. Yep. So I think we're going to go to that. Maybe not. Well, it's I a don't wor- know. It's the world premiere of Star Wars Revenge of the Sith in 3D. I think it's it's never been shown anywhere else. Oh, that's um, true. Maybe so we should go. It's pretty, you know, it's a it's a pretty big thing. I think um, I at least want to cry. I at least want to go and see like that opening scene, you know, the big battle above Coruscant yeah. and Obi Wan and but Anakin flying cry. through with their Jedi starfighters. Okay. No. Well. All right. Well, also our friends from Skywalking Through Neverland will be having a panel on Friday, and the Carrie Fisher panel, which is should be a good time, um, is happening on Friday as well. And the so, Ray Park panel. There's the, the that's Park the thing about <laughs> that's the thing about Star Wars Celebration. I mean, there's just so much good stuff on every single day and literally you have to pick just a few things to hit and you really can't see it all and it's it can be kind of frustrating how much you have to miss. True, because you, know. you have to eat and you have to talk to your friends. Yep. And you gotta go to panels and you that's gotta wait in lines. True. So So hmm. Saturday is probably the biggest busiest day um we start off with the new allies and new villains and star wars rebels panel so that's going to be huge i know people are going to be clamoring to get into that also the disney publishing panel actually crosses over with that so another publishing panel we're probably going to miss um full of sith also happens around there, but also the Rebels press conference. And we are actually going to the Rebels press conference. So probably we'll be missing a bunch of stuff, including the Marvel panel. <laughs> yeah, we have Disney publishing, Marvel panel, um, Full of Sith, the Rebels press conference, and Smuggler's Bounty all happening like right around the same time. Yep. So we ha- we have to make choices. We have to make choices and sacrifices. Um, and then the Star Wars at Del Rey panel actually starts at 2.30. But the reason we're not going to be able to be there is because we are both going to be on the Fangirls Going Rogue podcast stage, which starts at 3. So, again. 
(laughs) (laughs) Making choices and sacrifices. Now, the big thing we are not going to miss is going to be the Rebel Season 2 premiere. Um, And I'm sure everybody is going to be there. And then the people who don't get into that will probably be going to see James Arnold Taylor and Mark Hamill doing James' show Talking to Myself. (laughs) So the Rebel Season 2 premiere, have they announced or have they mentioned how long that is? Like time, not how long the panel is, but how long the actual episode is? Well, they're showing the season finale. Okay. And then the season premiere and I think they're showing the first two episodes. I think. Because the panel is an hour and a half. Right. Let me so, take a look. I will take a gander. Let me see if I can find it. But I th- that'll be cool to see that uh, season finale again on a big screen. Because I know we both got to see um, an episode of Rebels at New York Comic Con on a big screen. And it was kind of like you're in a movie theater, you know, except everybody in there is excited, you know, for the content you know every you know when you're in a room full of star wars fans watching rebels it's probably going to be a little bit different than when you're just sitting in your living room watching rebels so just the the excitement in that room is going to be it's just going to be awesome to be around oh i agree i have no idea where i read this (laughs) (laughs) i read it but i'm not seeing it in my email so i i have no clue where i read it I'm trying to find it. Um, Yes. Okay. Attendees will be the first to see the opening two episodes of season two following an encore screening of the series one season finale. There. It was in the app. All right. So the first two episodes, which probably will kind of amount to like a, almost like a little mini movie. Yes. Kind of the way that uh, Sparker Rebellion was. Sounds good to me. All right. That's going to be awesome. I'm I'm really excited. I mean, I know we're both big fans of Star Wars Rebels, so I'm really excited to see the you know, the finale of season 1 and the premiere of season 2 in a huge room with a ton of fans. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. Mhm. So, Sunday of the convention, one of the cool things that's happening is um the panel with Josh Trank and Gareth Edwards. So, that's pretty cool. And then there's also a cool panel that just really got announced, um, which is um, the Princess Leia panel. And that's going to have Cat Tabor on it and Katie Cook and some other really cool people. So I might want to go to that. What time is that one? I don't know. Okay. But it's on Sunday? <laughs> it's on Sunday. Sunday looks like by far the lightest day as far as kind of the things that we're, you know, um, Josh Trank, Gareth Edwards is kind of the must-see event, I would think. Uh, hopefully we yeah. can learn more stuff about the movies i don't know they might show concept art i doubt they'll have any kind of actual uh anything more than that to show at this point but um billy d williams is having a panel on sunday and then of course the closing ceremonies which um you know typically they try to announce something big there which everybody thinks is just going to be announcing the next location of Star Wars Celebration. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, so the What Princess Leia Means to Me panel is from 1230 to 1.30. Star Wars Celebration is going to be crazy and full of really cool stuff, and I'm going to be covered in buttons. <laughs> <laughs> and you've never been to Star Wars Celebration before. I haven't. So this I'm is going to be a learning experience for you, I think. No. It's no, just it's, be fun. It's, I know you've been to other conventions. I've been to other conventions with you. This is by far the best convention there is out there so i'm excited to i'm excited just to see the look in your eyes as you walk around so i'm gonna be the padawan and you're gonna be the master sure yes is that what you're saying yep, okay definitely 
Well, we do have a short review that we do want to get into. And it is talking about Kanan number one. So we're going to kind of talk about this the way we've talked about Darth Vader number one, Star Wars number one, Princess Leia number one. And just sort of give our opinions on it and things like that without really spoiling the story for anybody. We kind of spoiled Aaron. Leia number one. I did not. But I, yeah, you weren't you weren't there to police me. I'm sorry. So we, yeah, but you're right. For these number ones, our kind of rule has been to just kind of go over them without getting into deep story or or spoilers. So, and if we start to get into that kind of stuff, we'll at least warn you. So. Well, I will try. Um, Aaron doesn't know how to stay away from spoilers. Well. When it comes to me, it's these number one issues, it's kind of like it's the first part of a longer story. So to me, it's not really spoiler territory, just in the fact that it's a number one. So, mm. but we can just talk about how pretty the art is. It's beautiful. Yeah. So this is Star Wars Kanan, The Last Padawan, number one. It's written by Greg Weissman and crew. Um, and this is basically the secret history of Kanan from Star Wars Rebels, which is awesome because we all want to know what the heck is going on there. So um, I do like how it starts off with like a crawl from a movie. That's cool. Yes, and that seems like that's kind of Marvel's thing right now. Like with all these uh, stories, they 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 seem to be starting with this crawl. I kind of like how they're doing that. I know Dark Horse used to do like an introduction page similar, but not in this styling. And I really like what they're doing with this. But um, are we? So if I talk about what's on the first page, is that a spoiler? Well, it depends on what you're going to say. I was going to talk about how, like, really, how cool the crew of the ghost looks in this art. No. That's not a spoiler? Okay. Yeah, I love, by far, my favorite Marvel thing yet. Um, Me too. Like, I I like the other stuff. You know, Star Wars, Darth Vader, Princess Leia, it's all been really good. But this one is the first one where I really just, like, this is what I've been waiting for. This is the, the comic I've been waiting for. And not only just because of the subject matter, because Kanan, you know, he's he's my favorite character from Rebels. You know that. I think he's becoming your favorite character in general. Yeah, so Kanan, he's getting there. Like, he's definitely starting to become one of my favorite characters in all of Star Wars. But I'm really glad to see him in his own comic series and kind of just get that history of him. You know, as much as I like, you know, Luke, Leia, Han, I kind of talked about in the last episode, I'm kind of getting tired of those characters. So to learn more about a character that we really don't know that much about um, is more what I've been waiting for. So I was excited for the story, but then when I opened it up and looked at the artwork, I was like, holy cow, Like this is this artwork is amazing. It might be my favorite Star Wars artwork. You know, I, I'm a big Jan Durisma fan, but this is, this is really good stuff. No, I would agree. I think that this is the one comic out of all of them that I was really looking forward to, so I was pleasantly I don't know what would you say because I wasn't surprised I was pleasantly satisfied (laughs) really sure okay um but yeah the the art is so good and the characters look really great the lightsabers have like this glow to them that's super amazing and then the ghost looks really cool um in space but I think one of the coolest things for me was just the relationship we get to see and even though it's very short um between Depa Balaba and Kanan it's like wow I'm gonna call him Caleb because he is Caleb in this comic um 
So it was just really cool. And then some of the scenes where we see them, they're training together. I don't think that's a spoiler, is it? Um, they're training together, and they do all of the same, like, lightsaber movements. So cool. Yeah, and this just the way that it's drawn, there's certain scenes in the in the panels that you just – I almost want to just cut them out and put them up on the wall somewhere. Like, that's how cool it looks. Um, or maybe it's my desktop background. But, you know, just scenes of them training. Um and the one thing I really like about this too is it, it kind of is reminiscent of the way that Dark Horse did their Clone Wars comics in mm-hmm. like the battle scenes and the clones and, you know, Jedi Master with the Padawan and the lightsabers. And um, it just, it's kind of, it's very reminiscent of that. And I really was a big fan of that run of the Dark Horse comics. So to kind of get back into that, you know, back into the Clone Wars era, um, you know, I'm pretty excited about where this story could go. And it, it's moving pretty fast. You know, I know we're not going to get into spoilers. But um, kind of some of the things that happen and the way the first issue ends, it's like, oh, man, like this is going to get intense. So do you think you're going to read them issue by issue or are you going to wait? Yes, this will be the one. (laughs) This will be the one that I will read issue by issue. Um, The other ones, I think I'll wait until they collect them. um, If for for no other reason other than just to save a little bit of money, because Marvel, when they put out their first issues, um, you know, they're pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. even digitally so i'm um i'll be reading these each issue but the other ones i'll i'll wait yeah i probably will do the same thing too i think so um i think overall we're gonna really really like Kanan, the last padawan um and hopefully if this is really successful then they might do similar you know we could maybe get like a sabine comic or a Hera comic or you know some of the other characters and kind of flesh out their backstories in comic form i would rather see some of these stories in comic form as opposed to novel um i just feel like the 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 dynamic and look of the these characters and um this time period works better in comics yeah i could see that um i actually kind of think that aftermath might be about ahsoka but that's just me oh really i don't know why Huh. I don't know why I think that. Oh, yeah, I remember why. Because Dum Dum Me went to Club Jade and read spoiler stuff. Uh, I had heard <laughs> that rumor that. <laughs> as a possible rumor, but it seems a little far-fetched. Um, Who knows, really? Because Aftermath takes place after Return of the Jedi, so that'd be, that means she would be sticking around for quite a while. I don't think she's ever dying. <laughs> she can't die. She can't die. There's no way. Yeah, it's impossible. <laughs> Ahsoka doesn't die. Ahsoka lives. Yeah. She's, yep, she does, according to the t-shirt. Um, so if you haven't picked up Kanan, The Last Padawan, number one, go and pick it up because it is amazing. And you can actually just get it um, straight from Marvel through Marvel Digitally or through Comixology. Um, so you want to do that. It's really cool. Definitely. Well, Aaron, I am going to let you review Tarkin with some of our friends. Yes, we're going to review Tarkin. Um, we recorded this separately, uh, reviewing it with Mark Herleman from uh, Star Wars Beyond the Films and also from Star Wars Report Podcast, and then uh, Steven from the Ion Cannon Podcast, which he's a first-time guest here on Star Wars Bookworms. Uh, we are going to review Tarkin, uh, so we recorded that separately, and then... Um, we'll be back. We'll be back. So now I'm joined by a couple of... Uh, friends of Bookworms, who are here to help me uh, review Tarkin, and that is Steven from the Ion Cannon Podcast. 
How are you doing hey, today, Stephen? Pretty good. Thanks for inviting me on. Anytime. And then also, you've heard him before, Mark Herleman is back to Star Wars Bookworms. Uh, welcome back, sir. I'm back. My fellow bookworms, how I love to be here. Whistler loves to be here. Oh, he Chopper, always, yes. we got him shut down in the corner. He's too rowdy. That's fine. We, we can only handle one droid at a time here. That's right, it dude. When, when, when you get two of them going, there's a little conflicting. I, I could see why Chopper would kick one off the ghost, though. I'm surprised that Chopper can coexist with Whistler, to be honest with you. Well, you know, he kind of tones him down. It's like all of a sudden Whistler's got to toe the line. He's like Fonzie all of a sudden. I'm surprised Chopper can coexist with, you know, any anything, wise. any being. Yeah. It requires a, a massive restraining bolt, and R2 watches him a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so Mark is actually from uh, Star Wars Beyond the Films podcast and the Star Wars Report podcast. Um, and so I have these guys here. They're going to help me review Tarkin. But before we get into Tarkin, I wanted to just kind of mention, I know both of you are going to Star Wars Celebration. Am I right? Yes. All right. Well, so I, I don't know about Mark, but. Yep. I'm there with my whole family. It's we are exciting. only a few days away from Star Wars Celebration, and I'm extremely excited. I know, Steven, you've been to one before because I've, I've met you at Star Wars Celebration, I believe. I think we yeah, had breakfast so at a Denny's one day. <laughs> yeah, that magical place of cheap food and fast. <laughs> but, Mark, this is your first Star Wars Celebration, right? This is true, man. Yeah, this is uh, my, my virgin experience of uh, Star Wait. Wars Celebrations. Your first step into a larger world, perhaps. That's right, and and I'm I'm looking forward to scum and villainy. I, I'll bring rubber boots. Yeah, so I'm really excited to meet you, Mark, because I know we we've been podcasting kind of together. You know, from time to time we'll cross paths in podcasts, but we've never actually met in person. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be fun to finally meet you. Yeah, and, and that's another thing that you know I've only met Riley and uh, and Bethany one time when they happened to be flying into Oregon at the airport, you know. And, but besides that, man, I, I aside from William himself uh, and Tom, uh, you know, so now I'll be able to finish that with Stephen as well. I mean, yeah, I'm so excited about all this stuff. I mean, Riley and them, they've been going since five as well, and, and watching in the last you know two celebrations the bonds that they've came away with with people I had known online already and stuff, you know, and seeing them you know, grow with their relationships with these people and, and the fandom that just arises there and, and all the different little side stories that everybody has on Twitter and stuff. You're always like, whoa, what's what's going on over there? You're like following Club Jade and stuff, and you're like, dude, they got all sorts of fun stuff going on over here at these celebration parties. I, <laughs> I'm i so out of my element. And I'm nervous as hell, man. <laughs> I think I think we're all going to witness your head explode. That's, that's a possibility. Without a doubt. Yeah. But, yeah, um, I can see that being the case. So me and Teresa okay. earlier, we, we kind of went over the schedule. So we've kind of gone through it and talked about the different events that we're excited for. But I'm kind of I'm curious to hear what what are like maybe your top three or what are the things you definitely have to hit while you're at Star Wars Celebration? And you don't have to say Star Wars Bookworms panel. Okay. So I'll have to say this is a really tough one. So I think the first thing I have to say is someone who has watched both the Clone Wars and Rebels for so long is they just announced today that uh, they're going to be showing off four more, I don't know how many episodes, I thought it was four, but like storyboard episodes like they did for the Utapau arc. But this is going to be the uh, Echo and Fives arc, I believe, or Echo and Rex? I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, it's Rex and Echo. Rex okay. is going to be looking for or rescuing Echo, at least that's what it seemed to be uh, was the plot that I was reading. Yeah, that was just like, that was, you know, God. I mean, Clone Wars got canceled, what, like two, three years ago now? Crazy, and, right? 
Yeah, and like right after they're like, oh yeah, so we had all these amazing episodes planned. Like we had this Quinlan Voss, and she was gonna, he was just gonna team up with Ventress. Oh, and Echo was still alive, and all these things. And it's just like, wow, we're never gonna get to see any of those. And they've slowly been creeping him out, and so I'm really excited that we're gonna get to see this really big arc. Uh, so I think that's got to be my number one right now. But my number two, I, I mean. I don't know. Mark, why don't you take your number one while I figure out what my number two is? <laughs> I, okay, for me, number one is probably the most cliche. I'm super excited to get on that floor where they've got, like, the big rancors and the big rooms and stuff like that. I'm I'm, I'm seriously debating bringing my Jedi robe. It's, it's you know, my wife did her best. You know, it's 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 just the outer robe. But if I tuck it around, wear it really tight, I look like a monk slash Jedi, maybe. But those photo opportunities, man. Ah. You know, I've seen I've seen you guys with the wampas. I've seen you guys with the rancors on the speeder bikes. I'm like, and I'm reading my mom's really nice camera that I always take with me in the caves and everything. So I'm like, dude, I go nuts when it comes to this camera. It, so, it's got such a big memory drive. I could take like five or fifty thousand photos, and I'm still just clicking away. Oh, I'm gonna be nuts with it. So there's the uh, I can't remember what the name the Belgian Belgium uh, like prop group, and they like. Mm -hmm. They always do amazing things. So, like at Celebration Five, they did the uh, a giant five, uh, not five first, giant one eighty first uh, tie interceptor, which nice. I was kind of internally squeeing about. And StarWars.com teased what they're bringing this year, and there was definitely an ATAT -AT head <laughs> packed in a box. <laughs> and I'm I don't know how big it's gonna be. I'm hoping it's just gonna tower over everything. It is, it's unreal. Uh. They've, they've done the ATAT -AT before. Oh, have they? I believe at Star Wars Celebration Five, they oh, had it in like the main then. lobby. So, and I don't know if oh. it was the same group that did that or what, but um, I know they've done that before, and it is pretty impressive as far as how big it is. Of course, it's not life size, um, but it, it's pretty impressive. I don't know. It's yeah. big enough that I look. I'm like, it could be real. Yeah. Like I, I haven't been inside <laughs> it, so I don't know. It could totally be real. Just let me inside. So. See my. My second thing, uh, you know, my son and me have gotten into Rebels really good. Uh, it's, it's, you know, we hit that one on the floor running. I mean, in fact, sometimes he watches episodes before I, whereas with the Clone Wars, it was like I'd watch an episode and then a week to two weeks later, he'd watch the episode with me on, you know, like the third or fourth watch. Uh, this one, though, he's like, Dad, I, I got to watch it. So knowing that, you know, season two is premiering down there, that was something that we're both pretty excited about. I still haven't heard back whether or not I'm going to do the red carpet thing or not. I'm kind of thinking it's not happening. So I'm kind of actually relieved about that because I was like, on one hand, I was like, oh, the opportunity to rub elbows with some people like Freddie Prince Jr. I mean, that would just, you know, I'm beside myself with the thought of doing that because he's somebody my age that that has made it, you know, and, you know, has rubbed elbows with a lot of people I respect and stuff like that. I would love to just chew that guy's ear with so many different things. But so there's that aspect of things. But panel wise, the one that I'm most excited for is the what is canon or, or the one around that. Uh, you know, there's some questions that I've had for a long time that I'm really hoping that they answer, uh, you know, you know, Steven, you were mentioning, you know, getting this Clone Wars stuff after Clone Wars was canceled. You know, for me, that's a ray of light. You know, I'm, I'm the big Legends fan and I want to know what's going on with Sword of the Jedi. I want to know what's going on with Jaden Kaur. Uh, You know, there are certain stories that there are certain great plots wide open that I would love to see. And, and uh, seeing the Clone Wars get that, it's like, man, please. You're making me really sad because I remember now sitting in the uh, Delray panel at Celebration 6 where they announced Sword of the Jedi and all of those books that I was so thrilled that it was going to be happening, and I couldn't wait. And then they just kind of fizzed out, and who knows what happened to them. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think 
you know, these little rays of light, there's these great opportunities down the road that if they keep it the way they do, and if they ever did come back to sort of the Jedi, it's a great opportunity for them to actually do what they've always said they were going to do, you know, tell a next yeah. generation story. You know, they kept talking about passing that baton and passing that baton and passing that baton and passing that baton. It's like, okay, well now we've got new films where we've seen, you know, the real Luke, Han and Leia. And now we, you know, we can swallow the pill that this isn't their story anymore. And we can go on with a new generation in an ultimate, you know, Star Wars universe. Yeah, I think um, I actually have high hopes that they will revisit the Legends universe. I, I Do don't think like in the sense that it will still be Legends and that us be telling kind of non-canon stories or. See, yeah. And I think it'll always be non-canon. I think we're always going to have the main canon story, but I think that. Um, the idea of an alternate universe, which is how I view Legends anyways. I know a yeah. lot of people kind of say, oh, Legends doesn't count anymore. Well, no, it's just a different, you know, it's just an alternate universe. Those stories mm -hmm. still happened. It still matters. Um, it just, and it's something they can always add to. But I think right now the focus will stay on canon stuff. You know, they're reintroducing um, the idea of new films and, you know, they're tying in the comics and the books and it's all one big story. And they're going to focus on that for quite a while. But I think give it some time, uh, years down the road, they're going to be looking for new storytelling opportunities. And I think Legends is such an established universe that um, they could jump right back into that. And there's such a, a big fan base that would be looking for that. They could make it a big event, you know, like mm -hmm. maybe five years, ten years down the road. But, you know, this big event like Legends is back, you know, and we're going to continue the story of Ben Skywalker and Jaina Solo. And people will get freaked, you know, people will get excited for that i think um if you give it enough time but it'll be a while well abel uh penna he just had the skywalkers that they put out that that was actually a legend story it was a little short story that they had had him commission early on but it kind of slipped in under the radar and i think that that's probably you know what we're gonna see for a while i think that 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 build up of time to get that kind of a major announcement like it's back you know i mean I think until we get that build up of time, it's going to just slide under the radar and we're not going to notice that these things are still showing up. I mean, the Imperial Handbook fell into Legends, but they didn't weren't really, you know, touting that at the moment. And I get why. I mean, you know, you don't want to focus too much on the Legends brand. Yeah, it's still bringing in some revenue, but you want to put all, you know, the ducks into the the movie film boat. And that right. makes sense. I get it. Yep. But um and we we'll, we can kind of talk about it when we talk about Tarkin a little bit, but they're not forgetting about legends either because they're there are definitely some direct nods you know to planets and events and things like that from the legends universe that they're still trickling into these canon stories i don't know if you guys have read canon uh number 1 yet mm -hmm. i have um, not unfortunately but there's a pretty direct reference to shatterpoint in that um oh, so yeah, so there's... see, and I missed that direct reference. I'm gonna have to bust that. Well, I use the word direct because I think to me it was, but um, there's it probably anyone who's not familiar with the story of Shatterpoint or what happens to Deepa Bilaba in that story um, would probably miss it. But if you if you're familiar with that, um, it to me it did stick out, and there was a couple references to it, um, at different things that characters in the Canaan comic said. So mm. so. Let me add, like, since I haven't read it and I probably won't get to it any too soon at least, like, are they referencing events that actually happened or just characters that were featured in Shatterpoint? They're referencing what specifically, and now I should probably be throwing out a spoiler alert at this point. Um, <laughs> Hit the decks! Yeah. <laughs> People are already mad. They're like, no, you've already spoiled it. Um, yeah, so they basically, they reference what specifically happens to Deepa in Shatterpoint. 
So at the end of Shatterpoint, um, like. she basically goes crazy um, mm-hmm. and is kind of put in the Jedi Temple. She doesn't die, but she just kind of goes into a coma and has gone crazy. Um, in this comic, they make two references to her recovering and also the the leader of the, the Separatist forces says, uh, we had reports that she was unstable. Like, why is she doing such a good job? Um, <laughs> so there, there's definitely, you know... To me, that is a very uh, specific, specific reference to Shatterpoint. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, that, that is definitely an interesting twist on things that I, I wouldn't have thought about. I, I know when, when people were first talking about it, I, I pointed out to them, I'm like, well, just because it's reference doesn't mean that the books become canon now. Definitely. I mean, and I, I hate yeah. the fact that we have to, as, as podcasters, be clear because not everyone in the listening audience understands that. Uh, but it is cool, though, that, that there are taking references. And as we get into Tarkin especially, that mm-hmm. was one of the really cool things I liked about it. I like in the, the current place we're at now where the story group uh, they're basically Lucas when Lucas was doing the Clone Wars. You know, Lucas could pick things from the EU and bring it in, and when Lucas did it, it became canon. Like, nothing really has changed in that regard. I mean, Lucas never saw the EU as his story. The story group, they now have control of his story. It's now their history. And so, you know, they're able to build from it and take off of it, and I, I like that aspect, knowing that unlike where Lucas was at that point, these guys are going to make sure that every book and comic moving forward is going to stick to that one story you know, build that new universe. It's a really cool concept in that regard. It's just sad that, that, you know, the 25 plus years of the other continuity that they had because of the position Lucas was in with how he viewed it, that history is, you know, shuffled off to the side, but it's a great opportunity. Like we're about to explore here for them to take those little nods and bring them in. And, and as Aaron noticed, you know, it makes you think what exactly is that from that story that came over, you know, is it, is it the fact that she fell to the dark side? Was it that she was drove completely mad? I mean, there's so many different angles they could play it now. And that's something from a, from a longtime comic reader of Marvel comics, you know, a place that's known for doing their multiverse angles, the twists on other stories and other characters is always one of the more interesting things that they've always done. Yeah. And I think that it seems like from what I've, you know, I, I think I've read pretty much everything that's come out so far in the new Canon um, and it does seem like the authors are, although they're giving, they've been given the opportunity to rewrite Star Wars, they're still respecting what's come before, and they're still referencing the Legends universe, even if it's minor little references here and there. It's not like they're just paving it over. Um, they know it exists. They know there's fans out there that you know really enjoyed that stuff. So even though you know obviously this doesn't make you know a reference to her, you know from Shatterpoint doesn't make Shatterpoint canon, like you said, Mark. But it does mean that something similar to what happened in Shatterpoint did happen to her. Um, And so they are at least referencing that. And I'm really curious to see what they do with Dark Disciple because with a character like Quinlan Voss who has such a deep-rooted history in Legends, in the Legends universe, um, if we'll see some of that similar, you know, nods to things that happened to him in the comics or places that he's from or events. Um, Even I just read the excerpt uh, for... Uh, Dark Disciple today because I got my copy of Lords of the Sith and even just reading that short excerpt there there already are little nods to events that happened in the Clone Wars comics or in the uh, nice. the Republic comics um, so yeah I'm really excited to see that they, they care about that stuff and, the, and they're taking that into consideration well, you know one thing for people that are kind of more in touch with the mainstream when you look at The Walking Dead and what the TV show is doing compared to the comics you know I mean that's in a lot of ways 
what it's like to be a Legends fan and followed that universe for as big as it is. And then watching this other one, it's like, okay, there's the governor. Okay, he's he's not as bad as he is in the comic. Oh, okay, he's a whole different kind of bad. Oh, okay, this character, wait, that character lived. Oh, wait, that character was supposed to be dead already. Whoa, whoa. But it's the unique twist to get to it, man. I mean, that I think for me, like with, with Tarkin especially, that was a character I really didn't care for that much in Legends. And this book, I was like, I was drawn in. I was really looking forward to the interactions with Vader, especially, you know, knowing what I knew from the Clone Wars that really changed it. Whereas before it was like, well, Tarkin was a character that when I watched Star Wars my very first time, he was dead. It was over. So I really didn't care much about him. I was like, oh, he's a dead character. He was always in kind of this really weird spot in that, like, he was obviously a major player in episode four and kind of the pre-episode four world. But for the longest time, the time like between three and four in the universe was just kind of off limits. Like you weren't allowed to tell stories there. And mm-hmm. so even though Tarkin was this huge character, he like, what did we really, really know about him? Like we knew his home planet. We started to get to see him, you know, in the clone wars and in during the old Republic era, but we very rarely got to see like Tarkin in his prime, I feel. So I'm really glad that they at least tried to explore that in the book. So now yeah. that we've kind of transitioned from our like, celebration turned into canon discussion turned into now we're suddenly to the uh, Tarkin review let me uh, kind of do what we typically do with our reviews and kind of introduce the book so um, this is this book was released November 4th um, it's by author James Lucino and um, I'm going to read the publisher summary here he's the scion of, of an honorable and revered family a dedicated soldier and dis- distinguished legislator loyal proponent of the Republic and trusted ally of the Jedi Order, groomed by the ruthless politician and Sith Lord who would be Emperor. Governor Wilof Tarkin rises through the Imperial ranks, enforcing his authority ever more mercilessly and zealously pursuing his destiny as the architect of absolute dominion. Rule through the fear of force rather than force itself, he advises his Emperor. Under Tarkin's guidance, an ultimate weapon of unparalleled destruction moves ever closer to becoming a terrifying reality. When the so-called Death Star is completed, Tarkin is confident that the galaxy's lingering pockets of separatist rebellion will be brought to heel by intimidation or annihilation. Until then, however, insurgency remains a genuine threat. Escalating guerrilla attacks by resistant forces and newfound evidence of a growing separatist conspiracy are an immediate danger the Empire must meet with swift and brutal action. And to bring down a band of elusive freedom fighters, the Emperor turns to his most formidable agents, Darth Vader, the fearsome new Sith Enforcer, as remorseless as he is mysterious, and Tarkin, whose tactical cunning and cold-blooded efficiency will pave the way for the Empire's supremacy and its enemies' extinction. Sounds like a pretty awesome book. Well, um, you know, they talk about the rule through fear, and that's one aspect that, you know, that was present in Legends, but I never got the presence of Tarkin being as big in the military as he was, aside from the fact that he had the Grand Moff Tarkin, you know, title. Uh, I don't know. The way the book really presented it, they, they even talk about at one point it being a triumvirate, uh, you know, with Vader, Palpatine, and him together, the three of them. And I, I love that side story playing from Palpatine's point of view, where Palpatine's trying to get Vader and Tarkin together and stuff like that. And because it's a new canon, I was really drawn into that. I mean, there was so many angles about that and about who Tarkin was and how his his nature from being raised on his planet. I mean, the 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 carry on plateau and his uncle, his vicious uncle. Ah, man, I, there were so many angles about that character that 
I found so much more refreshing than what it was in Legends. Uh, and it was interesting, too, that Lucino, being the guy that got to write Darth Plagueis and chose to not name Palpatine in that book, finally gave Palpatine a name in this book, although it is kind of a head-scratching name, <laughs> yeah, to let's, be sure. Let's at least mention that. So we have the the name of Tarkin here, um, which is Sheev. <laughs> which or not Tarkin, I'm sorry, of Emperor Palpatine. So it's it's Sheev Palpatine. Um what did you guys think? I know that kind of dropped like last November, I think is when that news kind of came out. Um, what did you guys think about that name? How did it strike you? I was I was just kind of puzzled, like, okay. Like that's that's a different sort of name and sure, like I'm still not quite sure how I feel about it because, like, on the one hand, at least it's not, like, a really popular name. Like, it's not... Steve? I don't know. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. At like, least it's, it's not, not Steve. Yeah, at least it's not Steve, I guess. Why not? <laughs> but just, like, it was just, like, so, like, it was a weird name. But on the other hand, like, it's, I don't know, like, I guess they have different names on Naboo. And... I thought it would, like, I thought, when I first heard it, I thought it was sounded stupid, really. that's That was my initial reaction. Um, and I thought, okay, over time, I'm just going to get used to it. Like, you know, Count Dooku <laughs> is a pretty stupid name, too, but it just sounds normal yep. to me now. Um, but it's been a, a little while, and I still think it sounds pretty stupid. And another thing, too, that struck me, you know, in the realm of names is the fact that the Death Star very rarely is even called a Death Star. Uh, you know, they, they call it a mobile battle station, things like that. I thought it was kind of interesting, too. I don't you know. That, I always liked, I think it's a robot chicken sketch where, like, uh, maybe it's not a robot. I don't know. Like, two stormtroopers talking like, hey, so we, uh, we've we we got the, the Death Star. Wait, are we the bad guys? <laughs> like, <laughs> the thing we built that's used for destroying planets, that's that's a good thing, right? So I don't, I don't mind that they called it a battle station. Like they call it that fairly often in uh, episode four as well. So that yeah. that was at least consistent to me. So Mark, you had brought up um, kind of Tarkin's background and where he's from, and you know, like being on that planet and going through some of the trials that he had to go through. I know for me, like I've always looked at Tarkin as you know, I think in the EU they'd kind of established he's from like a wealthy family. You know, I kind of always imagined him as being like this guy that hides behind the military, not really a tough type of character, really, uh, but just somebody that has leadership qualities. Um, but really, they, they painted him in a new light to me to see that he actually did, although he did come from a wealthy family, he wasn't necessarily coddled as a child. Um, he actually had to go through some crap. Yeah, I mean, when you get to the very end and you find out exactly why he named the ship Carrion Spike, what Carrion Spike stood for for him, uh, you realized at that point what it stood for for the Tarkin family. Because really, you know, talk about being thrown to the wolves. Talk about this is Sparta, you know? <laughs> I mean, like, when you find out that the fact that they were willing to sacrifice and they pretty much wrote him off, they were like, we weren't really expecting you to come back at all. <laughs> like, I, that was... It fits so well with everything that, that they had pre presented about his family. I mean, his uncle was vicious, and the way he would describe things and the way it had this lasting impact on Tarkin, you know, that, that he would look at things from, you know, not just the way nature on the plateau would, would work and how it would – it almost had a Thrawn-like quality to the way Thrawn would break down art. You know, he would, he would apply the plateau to life and come up with the meanings of what he needed for – I don't know. I, I found that was a very – 
cool level to the character that I wasn't expecting at all. And I, I don't know, for me, it, it really made me appreciate it more because he, he did kind of have this dandy pomp feel to him in the Clone Wars and yeah. stuff. Granted, you know, Stephen Stanton does a great job voicing the character, but I don't know. The Rimrod straight looks like he's got a stick stuck somewhere. Always made me think of him as very stuffy and yeah, coming from nobility and not really getting dirty, but he's definitely from the lower class families, which gets to that angle with Palpatine. You know, I believe there's a part in here where he's talking to, to, to Vader or, or to one of the aides where he's talking about the fact that, you know, Tatooine, Naboo and Iradu are all these planets that are in the same area of space and they're all pretty much in the same vicinity, the same line. And, and I, it was almost like he was like having this, like, Stars are aligning moment. Like I have to have him on our team. And Vader, come on. you got to get over the fact that he almost got your Padawan killed. Like, I, I don't know. I was really digging I, it. I was kind of hoping for more at some spots. I really appreciate that, like, uh, inner Palpatine manga. It's like, yeah, I've got these, like, these two. My right-hand guy and my left-hand guy. They're both awesome. Damn it, they just won't work together. Man, that was a mistake, having that whole trial thing happen. That, that could have gone better. Maybe if I throw them again together again, maybe something happens and they'll, you know, figure something out. But like, going back to like the the carry on Spike and all of that, I I actually feel really torn about it because on the one hand, I thought they were really well written and I thought it was a really interesting story, but on the other hand, I kept feeling like you know, can we just have a character who's really good at what he does that doesn't have some absurd kind of out there backstory, like. I kind of want Tarkin just to be like, yeah, he came from a you know wealthy family. He went to school. He was really good at his job and had some really strong beliefs. And so he kind of went up the ranks and did good things in his life. Like, I'm not sure I wanted to find out that Tarkin had this really unique, like, ah, he went to the plains and, like, fought beasts with his bare hands and skinned <laughs> them alive. And, like, I'm, I don't yeah. know if that actually added anything or just, like, made it too complicated. I kind of, I, I see where you're coming from, Steven, because I kind of had that same feeling as I was reading through some of the passages. I was like, this almost seems a little forced. Like, they were trying to make him a cooler character than he really is. Um, but, hey, you know, it's canon, right? So, we know this is now the, the actual, you know, background for Tarkin. And it, it does make him a little bit more of a rounded character. Um, but, yeah, I felt some of that too, Steven. See, I thought that test of the carrying spike, it really showed why he was a tactician. I mean, you know, they talked about how he took weeks or even months, you know, studying and, and discovering the social patterns of, of you know, the, the species. I can't remember what their name were, but they reminded me of gorillas in the mist, man. I, I don't know something about it. But the fact that he was willing to put the time in, you know, and discover everything he needed to know before he, he made his plan. Uh, well, you know, and the fact that he had so many traps set up. <laughs> yeah, and it was, it was the way, like, and I, like, despite the fact that I thought it was kind of out there, like, I did like that it, it worked with his character really well. You think about the Tarkin Doctrine and all the things we already knew about him, like, I can totally see that he's, he's a man who looks at civilization and sees, you know, like, a barbaric animal society, and that the only way to provide that rule, is, or to provide, create order is to, you know, rule with an iron fist, uh, or, I don't know, a Tarkin fist, and squeeze, <laughs> and, I don't know, there's something there. But like and like having this backstory where he's out on the plains and working, you know, and trying to survive really makes kind of brings that to life in a sense. Like you can see, like yeah, if you were raised that way, like yeah, I totally believe. I think that, you know, the only way to really be create order is to like be on top. Like you have to be at the top of the food chain, or else it doesn't work. So in this book, there were some interesting revelations, um, specifically about Emperor Palpatine and where he resides. 
Yes, that um, was just where I wanted you to go, buddy. <laughs> Copacetic. But yeah, so it's it, some of my favorite parts in this novel, and I wish there was more of it, were the scenes with Palpatine. And we find out that he is now kind of, you know, taken up shop at the actual, you know, the, the Jedi Temple. Um, you know, was that something that you guys got pretty excited about? Or did you did you feel like it was, you know, maybe not right? Did it not feel right? And like, how did you guys respond to that? I, I was for a moment because so they they mentioned that he's underneath the Jedi Temple because there's this dark side source of power there, which is something that came out of the uh, new Jedi Order books. Um, yeah, it did. Which I thought I was really excited, and then there's a there was I remember this because I was reading the book, and I'm like, there's a chapter where talking, Palpatine's like, yes, like I must go back and meditate on our master plan. I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to find out what is like what is his plan. Like if you remember uh, Outbound Flight, you kind of realize that Palpatine's working to fight the Yuuzhan Vong because he's expecting mm-hmm. that uh, invasion. I'm like, okay, so that's not canon anymore. So what what's he working towards? And then, like, two chapters later, he's like, yes, our master plan. We will be all powerful. <laughs> I just like, that's not what I wanted to see. <laughs> like, I'm all for ultimate power, but, like, I kind of wish you had a better goal than that. So do you think that James Lucino was purposely referencing um, that, like, nexus of power that is in the New Jedi Order novels? Or do you think he just kind of coincidentally used the same type of story? I think he found a clever way to give people the answer that they were wondering about because I've I've always wondered what it was. You know, when, when Bajer turns to Jason and goes, you know, why would the Jedi build their temple on top of a nexus of the dark side? Think about it. There is no dark side. And, and really messed with his head. Is that your Bajer always, impression? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That like, sounds pretty right is, to me. What's yes. going on? That's, that, but yeah, that's spot on. To find out that the Jedi built the temple on top of a Sith temple, a Sith you know, ritual shrine of some form. I, I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Thinking that they could con- keep it contained and that it slowly got out and expanded and got away from them. Uh, you know, I, I thought that was, was kind of cool. And, and to touch on what Steven was saying, one of the things that really jumped out to me about the whole, you know, Palpatine's trying to get this Tarkin and Vader, you know, the, the side-by-side kind of thing. And then he wants to do this whole, I want to learn more about the power. Well, if he puts Tarkin in the position almost of Emperor, you know, he's doing the job, Palpatine's then free to go and do more of the Sith side of things. You know, I mean, he's got the galaxy. He doesn't want to rule the galaxy anymore. He has it. He's ruling it. He, you know, now he's just tied up with the bureaucracy, and that's not what he's all about. He's about power. So now the next step in power is through the Force to complete that. So I, I don't know. For me, I, I like that, but it was the avenue of that Sith relic. I mean, that was something that super had me excited immediately. I mean, when my first example of what was going on with the Jedi temple and stuff was in I Jedi, uh, or, Oh no, that's not even true. It was, uh, it was Koran horn, but it was in the rogue squadron books. Uh, and in those books, Koran ends up getting captured for a while. And you find out that the Lisquania prison he's on spoiler warning for these books coming up. Uh, it turns out it's on Coruscant. And when he escapes, he ends up finding himself inside the Jedi Temple. And Palpatine had turned it into a museum where he mutilated all the Jedi stuff. And that was always really cool. But then when we got into the earlier stuff and they started rehashing that stuff, that era with the newer books and stuff, that wasn't the direction they went. They, they had him close it off. They had him do other things with the temple. And it was like, oh, okay, because I remember playing the TIE Fighter game and stuff, and the temple that the Emperor was in, the throne room, looked like the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. It was amazing that they had, had stuck with that. So to see it go back 
in a way to that. I thought that was a really cool move because that was the Emperor Palpatine that I remembered from when I first got into the EU, him sitting and gloating on the Jedi temple. And so having that back and then finding out that on top of it all, that from the very moment of its inception, from its construction, it was put, put on rotten soil. I, I mean, you know, from a philosophy standpoint, when it comes to legends that that whole concept of there is no dark side, it's like, okay, well, if there is no dark side and, and the force was inherently light, although nature has a darkness in it, but that's okay. Once you have a person give, you know, evil life through the force, once they commit a dark act, now you've created a dark side that will taint, you know, the tainted areas, the tainted ground, those kind of things. So to see, see that, you know, there might be a dark side, while no dark side that was always a concept legends played with that was always intriguing so i'm very curious to see where they go in this new canon because lucas isn't behind the wheel anymore and lucas was always the one going well there is a dark side and there is a light side whereas legends was always like well there's no dark side originally inherently there's no dark side but then people made a dark side and now that dark side's out there so i don't know there's so many angles they could play with it that really gets me excited so seeing that was there I was doing backflips, man. I was I was really bummed that it wasn't in there more. <laughs> I think it's really interesting how often this idea of like a nexus of light side or dark side stuff is coming up. Like we have the Jedi Temple in Rebels, uh, that's just kind of randomly on Lothal. That's a, a nexus of the light side. We have the spot underneath the Jedi Temple that's a nexus of the dark side. And given how little like new canon we have, and we've already got this theme kind of popping up, I wonder if that's part of something the story group is intentionally playing with. Maybe to come in episode seven. Maybe it's just an idea they're exploring, you know, through the books. But I'm oh. curious, having not read uh, *Heir to the Jedi* or *Heir of the Jedi*, whichever one it is. *Heir um, to the Jedi*. I, okay, so I haven't read it yet, and I haven't read uh, obviously *Lords of the Sith* yet. So I'm curious if both of those books are also kind of playing with that idea, if it shows up, or if this was just kind of a two-time thing. Well, and that could tie in with what's going on with the lightsabers. I mean, yeah, it's it's a pet theory right now, but Dave Filoni took a moment to reference the fact that they went back to that flickering style. Yeah, when they created the original trilogy, that was the technology at the time. And so, yeah, when they did the prequel trilogies, the blades were stronger. But now they've come up with a story-driven reason for it to go. Now, the question is, is which one did they select? Is it that the lightsabers just slowly, their batteries kind of drain down, and that's why it's flickering. Even though Luke's able to recharge it, it's still kind of flickering because it's old. Or is it have something to do more with the Force itself? You know, the connection of the Jedi to the Force is their lightsaber. Well, if the Jedi have lost their way, their lightsabers may start to flicker. I, I There's so many angles about what's going on with the Force and stuff as we move forward. I mean, the title, The Force Awakens, alone. You know, when they slip little things in about ancient Sith and this, that, and the other stuff, I'm like... Where are we going with this? I would love to find, you know, some temple in the next film because I would love to see that in, you know, live action. I, I mean, all I've ever gotten really was basically comics or a book or an occasional video game. I mean, to actually have that in canon would be huge for me. Yeah, that's one of the cool things about this new canon stuff is that we are relearning some of these things that we thought we already knew and kind of how, you know, the details of the Force and details of lightsabers and how they're connected to the force and i know even in heir to the jedi have you read it yet mark i'm in the middle of it right now okay yeah. so you've probably come across at least some of the stuff where he's starting to discover you know things about lightsabers and mm -hmm. you know the construction of them and and they actually you know give some details that i you know that actually match with what i thought about a lightsaber and then there's other yeah. things that i was like oh that's different you know so um, yeah, they're kind of redefining some of these things, which is, in my mind, it's exciting. I, I like to to learn, you know, new things and and to see how things are, uh, you know, reimagined. 
So mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's awesome. But let's talk a little bit about this this crew of people. That it's kind of the book kind of jumps back and forth. So we have, you know, it, it jumps back into Tarkin's past. You know, we get to read a sequence about you know him fighting against some creatures, and then it jumps back into the future, and it jumps back into the past, and then we occasionally jump to this crew of people that stole his ship. Um, for me, that that part of the book was was a little bit tougher for me to to grasp and I actually had a hard time even differentiating the different characters that were on that ship I I just kind of saw them all as one entity um, and none of them really stuck out to me did you guys have you know kind of that same feeling were there any of those characters that like you actually liked um, or were they kind of all just bland I was I actually was really disappointed because when the book first started and you know Tarkin's at uh, Sentinel base and it gets attacked I was really really involved in like what's going on like what what is this plot against the Death Star or you know I like I was really excited to find that out and then the ship gets stolen and I felt that whole story just kind of I don't know it it didn't finish as strong as I would have liked like I I especially remember like you were saying like the first time we were introduced to the crew I feel like they were just throwing a bunch of names out or like they were mentioning characters by description, but not really giving names. So it was like, they were trying to make it so you felt like you didn't really know who they were. So you were kind of in the same position as Tarkin. But at the same time, it meant that like, I have, I have no idea who was on that ship. Like I remember there was like a spy master and there was, I think a Bothan and like a demolitions expert, but I, I had zero interest in them or what they were cared about or I don't know, like, you, if you asked me anything about the crew of that ship and what they were fighting for, I'm not sure I could tell you. Can you name See, one of them? Uh, I'm pretty sure that it was one that started with an M. <laughs> That's what I was having a hard time before we started. I was like thinking, okay, we're going to talk about this crew, so I should look up their names because I do not remember any of them. Um, but, yeah, so how about you, Mark? Did you kind of feel the same way? or? Well, this is just a general complaint I have right now with canon, uh, the whole storyline. Every book we've had so far, there's no character list at the beginning of the book. I'm like, what in the heck? That has always been something that helps me root myself when I step away from a book for a day or two. You know, I come back and I'm like, oh, wait, who is this one character? Oh, uh, and I flip that front page. Oh, oh yeah, so-and-so, the female Bothan. Okay, yeah. That being missing, it, it's made it harder to follow the story. It's made it harder to podcast about it because <laughs> you got to go and, and look through the book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think for me in this regard, I lucked out because I was listening to it in audiobook. Um, and while I have a complaint about that, that's a side complaint. Uh, it, it didn't, it, it worked in this regard for the characters. I had established each one differently that worked, uh, but it was Ewan Morton did it, not Mark Thompson. And I had just got done doing a Mark Thompson story before that with new Dawn and he did awesome. And then I get Ewan, and, and Ewan did a good job, but his Tarkin was spot on, but his narration would go from, like, internal Tarkin monologue to a British actor, narrator-type voice to a regular voice, and he was all over the place with some of the characters that it got really hard to follow, but when it came to this crew, they were probably the only characters that I, I actually had them down. His Vader and his Palpatine, oh, man, they were terrible. Uh, and, it, and it kept dragging me out of it, but when it came to the crew... I, I wasn't lost with them. In fact, and I think because I've been watching so much Sons of Anarchy, Teller I, lot, I latched onto. I was all like, oh, Jax Teller, okay, yeah. Uh, but I, I'm a name guy. So, you know, I think that's also another thing is like Teller is a name that it, it's no sheave. You know, I mean, 
<laughs> there's just like I, I don't know. I like Coran Horn. I like Gavin Darklighter. There's certain characters that their names are just names that I'm like, okay, I can get behind this character. I just like the spelling of his name or this that, and the other thing. Whereas there are other names where I'm like, I cannot pronounce that. Oh, forget this character, you know. And like Kuan or something like that. Like if it hadn't been for the fact that I was listening to Ewan say her name, I would have never got that right. So I think we're. I think um, we're ready to wrap this one up. If unless you guys had any other major points that you wanted to cover. Right, so actually, I did. Something okay. That came to mind while we were talking about the reference to Shatterpoint in uh, Canon Number One. But one of the things I I found myself getting almost irrationally upset over in this book was they name dropped uh, Armand Izard, mm. who is mm-hmm. obviously the uh, director of the Imperial Security Bureau security bureau and the father of uh a particular warlord who shows up in the rogue squadron series um who's uh i can't pronounce her first name isan or something like that yeah isan i don't know i just realized like i don't think i've ever said that name out loud so i was like i don't know how to say this um and so i was actually almost irrationally upset by the name drop because I was like, we're going to name drop this character from Legends, but we're not actually going to do anything with it or imply that's actually important. Just that, like, for those of you who read Legends, like, here, have a name drop so you feel a little bit better. And I was really (laughs) upset that they, like, I wanted something that, at least like you were talking about, like, implied that the events of Legends may have happened in some way, shape, or form. Like, it doesn't need to be, like, a one-to-one mapping, but I like the idea that some, at least some of the events in Legends happened, and the Legends books are just, you know, a certain point of view on it. Um, so I'm really glad to hear that Kanan number one at least took a different approach, because I was not super thrilled with how Tarkin approached it. Well, State Pistage, he made it across. Uh, we found out, you know, some more about the clone troopers with Sergeant Crest uh, being an elder clone from, uh, you know, the Clone Wars and Vader threatening to retire him. One other thing that I found was very interesting, uh, I believe it was uh, page six, there's a line where it says, in the memoir that was published years after his incendiary death, Tarkin wrote, which implies that even though this story is set before A New Hope, the book's written after, about, you know, or or some point after he's died. So I thought that was kind of an interesting little twist in the mid-story. It it took me out, I stopped, was kind of scratching my head. I'm like, oh, okay. I would have never really guessed that one. Uh, there was some really cool moments where, uh, you know, we were talking earlier about the interactions between uh, Tarkin's uncle and stuff. Well, there was one with his dad uh, where they were talking about, you know, what the family did uh, and wiped out, you know, every single person in this uh, competing village that wanted to take over the carrying plateau. Uh, and so that was kind of interesting. And then he also used that same theory on Antar 4, which is what really gets Teller and his group you know, Matt, this is the, the main thing that sets him off. I thought that was an interesting twist, but I think for me, the thing that really ticked me off is that they held the mystery so long that it, it was almost like, uh, the, the scoundrels book with Han Solo, where it's mm-hmm. like, you get to the very end and then you find out that the character you've been reading all the way through, that this isn't somebody, someone else. And then you're like, Oh, and then you go back and reread the book and then you're like, Oh, it was a pretty good book. Uh, cause that's how I felt it was. It wasn't until I reread it a second time, knowing who was the one doing the things. Because once I did that, suddenly Palpatine took on a whole other level of awesome because it was like, Oh, he's seedy. He's baiting. He already knows that. Oh, slick. It, and I, then it became classic Palpatine all over again. But it wasn't until I got to that very end. And then it was like, Oh, that's why they've done what they've done. 
it was definitely, I think, one of the stronger parts of the book is watching Palpatine deal with politics on Coruscant. And he's even got a line in the book where he's like, you know, back in the days of the Old Republic, they all squabbled and, you know, nothing got done. But today, they still squabble, but now they work for me. Or, you know, he's got something like that. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, I like how, like, I really like seeing Palpatine pit all these people against each other. Like, you see the, in, you know, you hear about the infighting in Legends, or uh, when you were reading Legends, or you kind of see it a little bit in, like, Episode Four, especially. And I really like the idea that Palpatine's encouraging this, as we always knew he was, but now we mm-hmm. kind of know why. This is his approach to order, is yes... They still squabble and cause problems, but now they're all doing it, and he gets to make the final decision. See, one thing about Tarkin's character that this book made me stop and question, you know, there are moments where he's looking at Vader and he suspects that Vader's Anakin, and then there are moments where he's pretty darn sure he's positive that it's Anakin. Uh, And you're like, oh, how astute. And then I stop and I'm like, okay, you're in charge of the Death Star. This book's done a really good job of why you should be where you're at. You're very thorough. And yet somehow you miss an exhaust port on the side of that station that allows it to go up because there are multiple times he talks about it it being an impenetrable battle station. And I'm like, I would love to see a side plot where a group of rebels or even the rebels from rebels come in and, and, you know, sabotage or work as a crew and, and make it so that ports open somehow where that's just this giant rebel plot, because that's really makes the most least amount of sense when it's all done. And I'm done with the story. I'm like, that's just not Tarkin. Tarkin would have caught that. Well, it's, actually, it's funny you say that. That was the one complaint I had about Tarkin's character development in the book is we know from episode four, Tarkin is an incredibly successful person. He's smart. He's resourceful. But his, his character weakness is that he's overconfident. And I'm really disappointed we didn't see that show up in some form in the book. Instead, we get the sense that, no, Tarkin would never be overconfident. In fact, Tarkin thinks everything through. Like, he's Tarkin's smart. He's brilliant. Like... He would, ne- like you said, he would never have made that mistake as he was presented in the book, I think. I would have loved to have seen a little more time spent on, like, yeah, Tarkin is, you know, brilliant and amazing. And because of that, he occasionally overlooks things. Well, they did have, like, one or two moments of that, like when they were in the, the Starfighters and stuff, when him and Vader are in the, the single fighters. I believe he was in a Y Wing, and, and they realized that they walked into a trap. But, yeah, it was, it was like just the one moment. And,. I mean, I guess, yeah, if you're looking at it as a window into Pal- uh, Tarkin's soul, then, yeah, I guess it, they, they did a good job of covering it. But, yeah, you kind of almost wanted to see him have a couple more minor little things here or there, you know, like, or or expect, like, a call. Oh, governor Tarkin, you've got a call. Oh, well, it's Palpatine. No, it's Lord Vader. Uh, but that was another thing was the governor thing. Uh, they mentioned the fact that even though he became the Grand Moff, that, uh, you know, that it was still tradition. traditionally he was still referred to as governor. Uh, so I thought that was kind of a, a slick little thing because I know, you know, in the past stuff with Legends, they've had those things where those terms have been flipped and flopped and stuff. And so they kind of like covered the base with that. I was like, oh, that was slick. Well, let's go ahead and give our final thoughts on the novel. And then we're not going to we're not going to rank it with Womp Rats. But if you guys just want to give me a <laughs> kind of what you thought, if you you know, if you liked it or if you didn't like it, uh, we can start with you, Stephen. All right. So I think for me is it was. I think I would, I'd settle with calling the book good. Uh, I, like, I didn't have trouble reading it. For the most part, it kept me engaged, and I was interested in continuing to read. I thought the Carrie and Spike element was, while kind of out there, I thought it actually worked, and I wanted to learn more, and I thought it kind of worked semi-well uh, once you accept that it happened in the first place as like a background for Tarkin. And I, I enjoyed seeing the dynamic between Tarkin and Vader. I enjoyed seeing the dynamics between Palpatine and 
almost everyone else. I just feel like, you know, they, they fired off a ton of shots and there were just a couple that just did not quite land. The the Rebels or the, I don't even know, the Resistance members, I didn't feel like they really landed. The, the plot itself just kind of, I feel like it kind of fizzled out towards the end. And so from that respect, like, I thought it was a decent book, but it didn't blow me away. So, like, worth reading, but maybe not, I don't know, maybe you get it from the library instead of purchasing it yourself. Unless you obsessively collect Star Wars books, in which case, you know, there's no question. Which maybe See, all of us here do. Yeah. It's odd that you said it fizzles towards the end, because for me, I felt like the ending was, was more where it finally came together, and I felt like I was fizzling about, you know, reaching for epicness that I never quite reached. Uh, I, I would dare say it was run-of-the-mill. Uh, you know, that's the one other downside with the new canon stuff is there hasn't been a book that just reaches out and slaps me. And I'm like, this is my new favorite Star Wars book ever. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I think back of Legends books and it's like I Jedi, Star by Star, Traitor. You know, I, those books <laughs> are really hard to say which one's my favorite. In fact, when I if I have to say what my favorite book is, I say it's I Jedi slash Star by Star because I can't pick one or the other. Uh, and, and that was kind of what I was hoping for with Tarkin. And at moments I thought I was getting that. I was liking the character. Uh, but when I got to the end, it, it just felt run of the mill. Uh, it did a good job of, of, of world building to a degree, but mainly because right now there is so little we know about canon. So it's, it's more like solidifying facts, like knowing that, that Tarkin's name was still Wilhoff, you know, I mean, it was like, Oh, okay. Okay. His name's still that. Okay. All right. Uh, so it had that interest for me, but as for a, a great captivating star Wars story, I can't say it was that. Uh, it was a good story, yes. I will agree it was a good story, but it wasn't one of the best ones. And for a new era of Star Wars canon, I was really hoping it would have been. Yeah, I I kind of agree with you guys. This one was just okay for me. I didn't, you know, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It just kind of was like there. And I've never been a big fan of the character of Tarkin, so when I heard about this book, I wasn't that excited to read it anyway, so maybe I already came into it with some negativity. Um, but I was excited at least the fact that it was written by Lucino, because, mm -hmm. you know, Darth Plagueis is probably my favorite Legends novel, um, and I really liked what how he fleshed out the character of Palpatine, so I was hoping mm -hmm. he would kind of do the same thing for Tarkin. Um, but it just didn't have that same feel, and... There were a lot of forgettable characters, you know, the, the Resistance crew, you know, I don't remember any of their names. There was no, none of them I ever want to see in another another Star Wars novel. You know, they, it was missing some of those, you know, elements that I would like to see from a Star Wars novel, you know, like some characters that I want to see again. Um, and, and I didn't necessarily like kind of the storytelling element where it kept jumping back and forth. Um, I've never been a big fan of the whole flashback, you know, way of telling stories. So just overall, it, there was enough about it that I was just like, eh, you know, in the end, you know, I was happy I read it, but it's not something I'm going to go back and reread anytime soon. You know, it's kind of funny because, like, I remember I read through A New Dawn, and that one I had a lot of trouble finishing. Um, the book just – I could never get that started. And so when I got to Tarkin, I was like, okay, I hope – I'm, like, I'm trying to, like, be okay with the new canon. Like, I was really disappointed that when Legends became Legends – like, I want the new canon to give me something to get me excited. And so I was like, maybe Tarkin will be it. So I start off Tarkin, and it seemed to be going really well. I was just like, this isn't quite what I was looking for. So maybe Heir to the Jedi will be it. Maybe something I, that comes after, you know. I think they're still in that we're playing it safe zone. Yeah. Um, and they're not branching out yet. I know Legends kind of spoiled us 
with you know just original characters all over the place you know and we if you're a fan of you know Coran Horn or Quinlan Voss or you know Gina Solo I mean there was there was somebody there was a character for everyone and they were original you know the characters that weren't in the movies that you could learn about their histories and you didn't know where they're going and you didn't know if they were in danger of dying and right now we're we're reading you know a book about Tarkin which we know basically you know his how he ends we're reading a book about Luke which we pretty much know what happens with Luke um, we know nothing very surprising is going to happen in these novels. It's not until they start introducing some original characters that we can start to care about um, where some of that suspense and stuff will be will be back. But I'm I'm excited yeah, I mean, for uh, Dark Disciple coming up because I think the unknown of what happens to Ventress and Voss can make that book a little bit more exciting. Um, so I think that that's the one I'm most looking forward to right now. But so far... Uh, the ones that I've read from the new canon, nothing, nothing's really blown me away. Yeah, I mean, in, in fairness, like we had plenty of dead books as in the yeah. Legends universe as well. I think it was, it's really just that we haven't had that one that makes you sit down and go like, wow, okay, this, like you've got to read this. Like I don't care what you think about Star Wars. Well, okay, you should probably like Star Wars if you're gonna read it. But like I don't <laughs> care what you think about Legends or you know, you just sit down and read this because it really is that good. Right. Yeah. All right. Well. Thanks so much, guys, for uh, joining me. This was this was fun to talk to you guys. It's always good to get a couple other you know guys on here that are big into the big into the books and you know versed in the Legends universe uh, to to be able to discuss some of the the finer points of Star Wars literature. <laughs> so I really appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, before before you go, just uh, plug what you know what shows you guys are on. Uh, let us know what's going on with those shows right now. So yeah, like I guess we said at the very beginning, uh, so I do the Ion Cannon podcast with uh, William and Tom. Uh, we tend to focus primarily on Rebels, but we've been kind of branching out to some of the books and such as well. Um, so you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and you know the usual sorts of places. So check us out and yeah. Well, you've probably heard of my website, www.starwarsreport.com. A little cool place where I uh, podcast with my friend Riley and his sister Bethany. Uh, and, you know, the uh, Star Wars Report 2nd Airborne Division podcast, where I also do Star Wars Beyond the Films with Nathan P. Butler and Rebels Roundtable with everybody from the great team over there. Uh, you know, doing a lot of really cool, fun stuff, different projects and stuff. You can find me at Illogical Rogue on Twitter or on Facebook as myself. Uh, but yeah, that's what I'm doing, having fun, doing all that stuff. Looking forward to celebration. Any of you guys over there see me wearing my uh, Star Wars Report shirt? So come up, say hi. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on, guys. And I will see you at Star Wars Celebration next week. Wow. And actually, as of the time that I'm posting this, I think, which we'll post on Monday, I will see you in two days, two or three days, depending nice. on when you get there. Nice. All right. Crazy. Catch oh, you guys man. later. And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> so I'm glad you guys had fun. Sorry I couldn't be there. Um, but uh, next time, at least I'm here for part of the show. <laughs> but on our next episode, we are planning to review Heir to the Jedi, but we also have the Jeffrey Brown books to review as well. So our schedule's a little bit in flux, so we're not really sure what we're going to do. But I guess really on our next episode... Will be Star Wars Celebration. Yes, our next <laughs> our next episode will probably be Star Wars Celebration, and our next two episodes might be depending on how much audio we get. I don't know what kind of audio we're gonna get 
uh, from panels, and we're definitely going to be interviewing some authors, and we're going to have our own panel that we're going to be recording, so we might have quite a bit of audio from Celebration, so we might break that down into, you know, two or three episodes. Uh, We'll just see how that all works out, but our next review episode uh, will be Heir to the Jedi and then probably the Jeffrey Brown uh, books as well. Yeah, and I have a question for you, Aaron. Okay. Do you want to know what it is? Ask away. Okay. Um, So you know how there's that whole live streaming thing happening with Twitter? You're the one who was like, you should do Periscope. Yes. Well, um, I have not really experienced or played with it myself, but um, I have found out that a lot of people actually like Meerkat better than Periscope, which is another live streaming app. And so people were asking about whether or not these panels were going to be live streamed or not. And so I was going to ask you if you think maybe we should live stream via Meerkat while using one of our friends to live stream it for us, our Bookworms panel. I think that is an interesting idea. I I will be interested to see because of um, typical convention, you know, bogging down phones because everybody's trying to do that kind of stuff all at the same time, if somebody will actually be able to get a good feed. But if definitely if we have somebody in the audience that's willing to do it, I would love to have somebody either Periscope or Meerkat or maybe have one person Periscope and another person Meerkat so everybody's covered um, and then have it, you know, live streaming. Yeah. Yeah. I call Meerkat Timon. Timon, yeah, um, yeah. I'm, the, you know, the idea of Meerkat and Periscope is pretty new, and I know a lot of people are kind of playing around with it and kind of learning, you know, how to use it. And it will be very interesting to see how that affects conventions going forward, and you know, the ability for people to just live stream all these panels now to their friends. Um, so yeah, it w- yeah. So if you're coming and if you want to try to Meerkat our Periscope our panel. We would not be opposed. Just make sure you charge your phone. Yep, and you have an extra battery. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I guess we will see you guys after celebration. That is so exciting. It's literally like just a week away. It's a week away as we're recording this, and probably as of release date of this, it's probably only two days away. Oh, man. Because I'm planning to release this episode on Monday. Ah, okay. So, yeah. So people will have something to listen to on the plane on their way to Anaheim, California. Unless you're coming from the UK and you're already on your way, um, <laughs> which I know some people are. So if you want to find us on social media, we are at SW Bookworms on Twitter, and you can email us, StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com. So you can also like us on Facebook. You can go to facebook.com slash Star Wars Bookworms and you'll get a lot of the latest updates on Star Wars books news, comic news, and all that kind of stuff. And as usual, you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's the only kind you should be leaving us. If you, <laughs> But really, if you, listen to our episode, or if you listen to our show and you enjoy it, we would love for you to head over to iTunes and leave us a nice five-star review. It helps other people find us over there. Um, and you can find Teresa on twitter and instagram at ice cold penguin and you can find aaron on twitter at av goins so until next time keep on reading and may the force be with you